Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Pastor Andy Addis. You plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. But Lord, when will your harvest come in? You're giving all you've got to give in the place where you've been sent. But will this labor make much difference in the end? Will no one ever know? Sometimes you feel so all alone. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. To that church on the corner of that forgotten little town With a room of empty peers where his love can still be found You may never know of all the seeds you sow But it just takes one willing soul to make him and I don't think I'm ever going to get over that song, One Willing Soul. That is you. That Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast, where we want to pour into, partner with, and pat on the back the rural pastor, because what you're doing is so important. And uh, we haven't said it in a while, but the big three, dealing with low resources, isolation, and vocational identity, we want to combat those hard-headed issues in ministry. And uh, today, uh, we're launching a three-segment series uh, within the Rural Pastor Podcast on something very much like that. Before I reveal it, though, I have a great friend who's going to walk this journey with me. His name is Danny Payne. He is the Associational Mission Strategist. That's the official name, but everybody still calls you a dome, right? Correct. Director of uh, of Area Missions. And, uh, and we've known each other since before you had this role, before I had this role. I am uh, the Re, the the rural director for the North American Mission Board and pastor at Cross Point Church, a rural multi-site church, and uh, you as the dome of the Flint Hills Association here in Kansas around the Topeka area. You've also served several other places in the church. Danny, tell us. I have. I've had the privilege of serving all my churches I've served, I've served in Kansas. I've served as a bivocational person at a small rural church in Augusta, Kansas. I have served in um, multi-staff churches in Kansas City and in Derby and in Poria and here in Topeka. And so I've had the privilege of serving in all those different roles. Just came out of pastoring for the last dozen years and uh, stepped into this role where God asked me to step into a new role, a role that I, I've been in about two years. And so mm-hmm. I've been thoroughly blessed by it and looking forward to helping the local church be as healthy as humanly possible. Amen. And right now, the association that you're working in has how many churches? We have about 51 churches. Uh, We have a new church actually beginning this Sunday. Amen. Um, And so we're super excited about that. But uh, we're uh, kind of a hybrid of some of our associations... Uh, are um, more city area, more, and but we're, we have a lot of, uh, about probably half of our churches are rural. That's why I wanted you to be in that seat, because you have the experience of a church in the city limits, and you have a church, churches, several of them that are outside. So you've got, you got your feet in both worlds, and I think it'd be a great voice for us. Plus, this did not, when I first asked you to do this, I don't think this was completely on the radar, but uh, my favorite role of yours is that you did premarital counseling for the most important wedding in my most recent history, which was my young 
youngest son uh, to his bride, and uh, and so I can't wait for the scoop someday for you to tell me all the juicy. De- well, you're not going to do that. But. I'm not, but it was a privilege to do that, and they were in very good hands long before they met me. <laughs> well, thank you, brother. They're the good kids, uh, Nathan and Haley, and can't wait to see what God does with them. Thanks for loving on them. Now, the reason that I have you here to do this three ser- set series for us is I want to talk about biblical rhythms. There's actually a book, which we're going to make available in the show notes. If you look for the clink, uh, links, you'll be able to get a copy of this. But we want to give you the general idea of this, um, and we're going to do it in three phases. Today, we're going to talk about recognizing where you are. In the next episode, we're going to talk about kind of a biblical motif for establishing rhythms. And then the third one, we're going to talk about what are some rhythms to establish for key areas. So you need to listen to all three of these. But uh, as we get into this, the truth is ministry is just hard. Whether you're bivo, covo, full-time, doesn't matter. The church will grind you up and not even know they're doing it. They'll burn you to the ground and then be thankful that you were such a willing servant to be there. Fair statement? Amen. Completely true. And so the only person that can draw lines for the pastor is the pastor. And so you have to draw those lines, not only to protect yourself, but to protect your family and then to model well for the church what healthy living is like, because the only reason they do that to the their pastor is because they do that to themselves. Uh, we don't really know how to do this. So let me ask you a question. Uh, what's the most tired you've ever been before? Can you can you think back? It doesn't have to be the most, but uh, a time in which, you know, you were just flat, worn, slick. Actually, when I started into this role, uh, because we were in the transition of moving up here, so I was driving up here and spending, um, I would spend the night at a pastor's house for three nights, then drive back home. Oh. And then yeah. we were trying to buy a house, sell a house, pack up a house, and um, it was it was pretty 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 taxing. Just and and I'm stepping into a new role I'd never done before, and so you want to do it well. So you're trying to put both feet on the ground running, but I, I recognize that I was I really needed to go at a little better pace for my family's sake, mm. um, and that was and I needed to. This didn't all have to be done. In a day or two, it, it needed to be needed to be spread out more, and uh, I was pretty tired. Yeah, there, there's some things that happen in a pastor's head. If you're in ministry, you just think that you can, and you should, and you ought, and they're very often things that have mounted up that God never asked you to do. Correct. Or, or at least in an order He didn't ask you to do them. Absolutely, and I think uh, my pastor told me years ago, and I think this has been so true, that a church will give you as much as you'll, you'll give. Mm-hmm. And so if you'll give and keep in giving and giving, giving, and that's why I think having rhythms and boundaries and the strength to say critical yeses and critical noes mm. is so important for us. Well, and part of that problem, too, is you can't say yes and no if you don't really know where you are. Amen. And that is the subject of today. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to give a little bit of my story on the most tired ever. But before we do that, let me give you a stat. And uh, you may have heard it before, but it's still just mind-blowing to me. The Barnett Group in 2021 said 38% of U.S. pastors have thought about quitting full-time ministry in the past year. Now, these aren't even the ones struggling Bivo and Covo. Of the full-time guys who can give all their time and energy, 38%. And I have a, I have a theory on that as well, that it's probably higher because even pastors won't admit it to themselves. But 38%, that's a huge number. That's more than a third of pastors have thought about quitting. As you deal with pastors, do you feel that's a, a legit stat? I do. 
Andy. I, I just talking to guys, uh, especially coming out of COVID, they're they're tired, they're weary, they're trying to figure out how to reinvent and how to jumpstart the church, and they feel the weight of all that and the expectations, and then they're getting discouraged because when you throw in some political mm. gobbledygook oh, into the mix goodness. of all that, it, it really just it puts they they got in it to bring the king, bring glory in God, uh, to bring glory to God, and that got just kind of presses in on them and that's all they're, they're, they're treading, they're just treading water and they're, and it, they don't want to keep doing those things. They want to do the kingdom things and they're solving all these problems. And some of them, they've, they're aging to a point. I don't have the bandwidth to do these things anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see it. So it's real numbers. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think, I think the number's higher. They just don't want anybody to know it. Yeah. So 38% will admit that. But I believe that the number creeps up, maybe even doubles in my mind, because there's a group of people that are, there's a group of pastors that are just that tired, but can't admit it to themselves. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time on this first podcast, I want to talk about recognizing the terrain. Uh, One of my mentors is a a retired military guy. He's a paratrooper and uh, was a regiment commander in Italy, worked in the Pentagon. He's one of those guys when he says... Hey, you say yes, sir, right? <laughs> Even if you are, he's, and I love him to pieces. He's been a spiritual father of me. His name's Chuck Stecker. And he told me that when you jump out of a plane, and he, he tells you he used to jump out before they were fancy parachutes, just the round ones you didn't guide. You hoped you were landing in the right spot. Um, that when you hit the ground, your first job is not to check your weapon. Your first ground is not to engage in the mission. Your first job is to figure out where you are. It's to recognize your terrain. So I've got a few statements here, and I think I got two halves. What we say versus what we mean when we say this, and let's just banter on this for a second here. In ministry, you hear people say all the time, nothing happens without hard work, right? That's a ministry maxim. You just, it just takes hard work. We just said it. Ministry is a grinder. It's difficult. But what we often mean when we're saying that is my effort is most important. And therefore, that puts you in a tough spot, doesn't it? Because it does. if my effort's most important, then can I ever take time off in a broken world? It always it, it leans back on that idea that it, it, this isn't going to make it if it do, if I'm not doing it. Mm. And I think for guys, especially in uh, in those smaller rural churches, they're looking at their ministry like if I'm not here doing this, it doesn't happen. And so they're they're burning at the candle at both ends, and they're trying to keep all the plates spinning. But God didn't ask him to spin all those plates. Man, and that is the key. We take on some things, and the church will put some things on you that not necessarily are things that God has asked to put on you. And that's where we got to find these rhythms and, and draw these lines and boundary lines. Now, I want to make sure, because we broke this into three parts, if you say, so what's the answer? Well, that's in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you got you to hang with us. We're setting the stage right now. Let's give a, another statement here. Sometimes, uh, we not just nothing happens with the hard work, but hard work pays off. And that's, once again, a very similar statement. What we're saying is success is dependent on me. And I don't want to cut out the work of the Holy Spirit, but I think sometimes our workload is not out of obedience or gratitude to God, but out of a self-worship that we think we have some abilities that supersede what the Holy Spirit can do. Well, it's funny you say that because when my dad was on staff at a church, uh, we lived in the parsonage, and so um, the staff parked in the back um, of the building, and the education guy, when I was growing up, um, his car would be at the church at ridiculous hours of the night. Hmm. So much so, Andy, that he actually had a cot oh in his goodness. office yeah. because he would sleep there. And I, I, I remember looking at my dad and just saying, Dad, this is 
you know, as a young man, not even in ministry yet, that this, how unhealthy this was, that he was burning it like that because that old adage that God, I'm going to be over here doing this. So can you take over my kids and my wife over here is not biblical. Mm. Mm. And it's that throwback to that Protestant work ethic, which is not a biblical work ethic. Right. right. It's that uh, if I work this hard, it's because God has blessed. And and uh, and I just think that sometimes we're killing ourselves in ways that God never asked us to. Here's a third statement. This is a statement no one's ever said, but we mean it. Sacrifice is sanctified. Now, no mm-hmm. one's ever said sacrifice is sanctified, but we say stuff that basically means this, but God wants me to do this. I mean, I'm the pastor, or I've been called. And the worst is when we say that to our family, and we're asking them to make sacrifices. Absolutely. When you think about saying that and spiritualizing that to justify the means, um, you know, when I think about it from a pastor's family standpoint, especially for the wives and their children, it it creates resentment. Mm. Because if you can spiritualize that and you can say, I'm going to be over here doing this at the exclusion of you guys... But God told me to do this. Um, he also told you to take care of your family. Yeah, that's your first ministry. Exactly. And and so you could say, well, God told me to do this. Well, he told you to do that first. A- amen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard because then you say, but nothing's going to get done. And again, you're going back, it's on you. Uh, th- these are compounding statements. I promise we're going somewhere. This uh, next one is very similar. But when you look at somebody and say, but it's my responsibility. There, there are some things probably in ministry that are your responsibility, but it's to get done, not that you do it. What you're actually saying is, no one else can do this. And that's just not true. Sometimes we just don't like the way somebody else does that. Amen. Uh, this one hits home to me because when I was a youth pastor at a bivocational church, um, we were in starting to transition to another church. But one of the things I had done poorly is I had pretty much ministry kind of hinged on success or failure based on me. Mm. I didn't put any people in play. And so tragically, when I left that church uh, to go to another position, that ministry cratered and that was on me because I didn't put anybody around because I felt like I was the paid person. I, this should be all done by me. And that was really unhealthy. And I, and that never happened again but it happened once, and it stuck with me painfully. Well, and you, you learn from that. I have the same experience. I've only pastored two churches, and the both churches grew spectacularly, right? And we have a great story. But the first church that I pastored did not thrive afterwards, and it's because I realized the mistake in me. So I didn't lead sheep, but I drove cattle. Amen. And uh, when you drive cattle, I mean, as soon as no one's cracking the whip and yeah, yeah, all around them, man, they, they, they kind of go back to their old ways. But if you lead sheep, they, they, they find a pattern. And, and the problem with that is when you say it's all on me, it's my responsibility, no one else, you're never training anyone. You're never depending on anyone. You're building, you, you know, we, we talk about large churches having a celebrity culture. It doesn't have to be a large church to have a celebrity does not. culture. Yeah. I, I think about that when Jesus... Um, when he went and started selecting his 12 and he's talking to those guys and they're mm. fishermen. And he says, I love that passage in Mark and Matthew four. He says, I will make you fishers of men. That means I will, I will equip you for the purpose of long after I'm not in person for the church to, to go forward. And I think that's where we have to say, um, you know, my friend, um, a good friend of mine who passed away a few years ago named Mark McKay, he used mm. to say, I'm working myself out of a job. Amen. That was his goal. And the first time I heard him say that, I was like, well, you, how can you do that? You're, you're paid. 
and he, he really said, look, Danny, the goal for me is to, is to equip saints so that I can equip them, but I'm trying to work myself out of a job. And, I, and the first time I heard that, I thought, man, that is, and then after I started chewing, I said, like, that is so true. Absolutely. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, God gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, preachers, evangelists, to equip the saints for works of service. And we, we run the church in a way that all that list, all the pastors, prophets, teachers, preachers, they do the works of service while everybody else goes, yay. And I think we feed into that, Andy, that, well, we hired you to do those things mm-hmm. instead of equipping <laughs> them, you know, and because we're, we're, that's a dangerous path because when you say, oh, we hired you to do those things. No, I'm, I'm not a hired hand. I'm, I'm a shepherd and I'm called to shepherd you and to grow you and to equip so that the church is all that God wants it to be. Yeah. Our job, what we used to in the bulletin, when we had a bulletin back in the day, we used to, in the bulletin, uh, put in there the list of all the, the staff and said, these are the administers, and then we said, the ministers, all of you. <laughs> it was I love a little it. cheeky, but that, you know that's what it was. You know, I know I was good friends with Mark as well. We share Mark McKay, and it's great that you bring him up because one of my favorite quotes from him is this, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. <laughs> and Mark would say that. <laughs> I love he, it. He was great at rest. And he, he was. was great. He took Techno Sabbath. We'll probably refer to him later as we go through these rhythm, rhythm things, but that's a good pull. All right, two more on the list. Remember, we're just trying to figure out where we are. If we say any of these things or think any of these things, then there's probably a need for us to check our rhythms. First of all, uh, what did we say? Nothing happens without hard work, or hard work pays off. Sacrifice is sanctified. It's my responsibility. Boy, here's a new one that the young guns use all the time. I hear this all the time. It's just a season. We're just going through a season. Now, the problem is, it's it's winter in Narnia. No one knows when it's going to end. When we hear somebody say, it's just a season, they're like, oh, well, we're going through this, but it'll be over. But there's no hope because we when is this season going to end? How are we ever going to get out of this? And, uh, and, and I think people like that because there's this hope that something's coming, but there's really no plan when we say, it's just a season. Yeah, seasons, uh, It's. It, I think it's too general mm. because you guys can think, oh, it's just a season. But, I mean, you like you just said about Narnia, I mean, it, that season could last a long ministry season. With no Christmas, if no. I remember the book right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, I think for guys, it's like, that, and that's also kind of hiding it, mm. like I'm minimizing it. It's just a season. But like, but some guys, it's like your season never changes. And then you're, you're in this... And then you're not in ministry anymore because you're tapping out. Yep. And that goes back to your your numbers. Because if, if the seasons never change, you're going to be in trouble. That's it. That's it. So here are the statements. we got one last one. But if these mark your life in any way, then maybe you're saying, I'm behind enemy lines right now. i got to figure out where I'm at. Nothing happens without hard work. Hard work pays off. Sacrifice is sanctified. It's my responsibility. It's just a season. Or any version of this last one, we got to give it all. We gotta leave nothing on the field. We gotta. Uh, I I'd, I want to live spent, right? I want to. I want to be used up. Boy, that's. I guess there's some dramatic positives in that, but I'm having trouble reconciling that with a lot of scripture because what it says when you say give it all, we're saying that overwork and burnout is the expectation in ministry. And while God has the right to do that, it was very rare that he chose to use somebody up like that. He was more of a lay down beside 
uh, calm waters, lead you to greener pastures. He is the God who, who is the caretaker of the soul. Be still and know that he is God. And when we say give it all and we make that our mantra, it's like we won't be satisfied until we destroy ourselves. And I think about that with um, that story with Mary and Martha. I mean, Martha is worried and upset about a great many things, and we get so worked up about stuff, and Mary chose the better thing, and Jesus said, it won't be taken from you. Mm. And I just think so much, we get, we cre- we have created that busyness is is spiritual. Yeah. That we equate busyness yes. with faithfulness. And I just, I think when we say, oh, he's just busy all the time, it's like, but busy, God didn't call us to be, I mean, gee, I, I remember this vividly. Jesus was busy, but he was never hurried. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome, yeah. And I just think, I mean, we're all busy, but when you mix bur- busy and hurried, typically relationships get severed. Absolutely. And then you're you're starting to people please, and you're starting to wrestle through, I, I got I to gotta make my worth by doing all these things. Uh, I got to earn my check, so to speak. And I just think it's really a, a, a dangerous path to go down. Yeah, no one's ever made a fantastic decision under pressure and in a hurry. <laughs> right? No. If you live in that way, you're going to you're going to tend to be I, I perform better under pressure. That's actually usually a statement of people who don't like to prepare. <laughs> Right. Well put. <laughs> that's, that's really not an asset. That just means you can pull it out every now and then, and, and that's kind of your MO. But, but I think that there is a better way. Uh, and that's what we're going to get at. We're going to be looking at some rhythms. Now, uh, if, if I could take about a two or three minute um, soliloquy here, part of why I want to do this is I, I want to share a little bit of my story. I, I am the, the, the rural director for the North American Mission Board. I also have the privilege of being the heart renewal and evangelism director for the Kansas-Nebraska Convention or Church Forward. And I have a third job. I am the lead teaching and vision pastor for Crosspoint Network of Churches, a rural multi-site network. So that sounds pretty busy. And to be honest with you, it's actually too much unless you have a biblical rhythm and the right expectations. So go back several years, almost 15 years ago, when we were just a dying neighborhood church that God started to turn around. This is not a podcast on what happened at Crosspoint, but we went from a handful of people in a building with debt that hadn't had a pastor in three years, and I was right out of seminary, uh, and God just did some incredible things. We immediately tripled in size, and then we started looking for a building, realized we're rural, blue-collar, we're never going to buy a building. So we, 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 we bought an existing structure, a big A auto parts store, cut a hole in the wall, called it a coffee shop, put a stage in the corner, said, that's church, and uh, there we go. Well, it started blowing up, and within two years, we were running almost 1,000 people. Then we recognized there were some people from another city, and they were driving over. And so we said, well, let's start doing something in their gymnasium, and, and we became this regional multi-site. By 2009, uh, we had, uh, that year we added our own plant and two more revitalizations of churches that were asking to partner with us. To be straight up, things were blowing and going. It was fantastic. I was the darling of the association. I was one of the youngest presidents of the Church Forward State Convention. Uh, was getting all kinds of accolades and attaboys and was feeling pretty good about life. And I remember driving back one day from one of our further location, furthest locations in Hayes on the way back to Hutch. And I passed through a little place called Hoisington, Kansas. And I'll never forget because just on the south side or the, the, the southwest side of uh, Hoisington is uh, Ark Valley Veterinary Clinic, I believe. And I remember pulling off in the gravel parking lot, putting the truck in park, and bawling like a baby. I mean, head on the steering wheels, 
shoulder spasming, snot bubble, weeping. And it wasn't because it was a moral failure. I was needing to confess. It wasn't because something horrible had just happened. I just had this overwhelming feeling. I cannot keep this up. I'm going to drop something. There, if, if I don't drop something, it's going to kill me. And so I remember sitting there in the, the parking lot of that veterinary clinic. I, this is how old this was. I pulled out my Palm Trio. Remember those? <laughs> With the, the little keyboard on them. And I typed out a whole letter to our personnel team. Now, I know for many of you, you're in environments where if you said something to your personnel team, that's the death knell, right? Because you're in a rough environment. It took me another hour to get home. And by the time I got home, two of the members of the personnel team were already on my porch. And um, what they did is they said, we love you. We want to fix this. And, and they lovingly laid hands on me, prayed for me. They said, you're off next weekend. Um, and we're going to send you away. Where do you want to go? And I said, well, I heard about a prayer retreat in Colorado. I love Colorado Springs. I said, done. We'll buy you plane tickets. And in retrospect, I thought, I should have said Rome. <laughs> Rome would have been great. But went to Colorado Springs, and it was great and, and felt good. Came back, and they said, listen, this summer, in about two months, we want you to take a sabbatical, uh, which is a good thing. It's a great thing. Uh, they said, take six to eight weeks. And I took six to eight weeks, so much so that by the time we got to the end of it, my boys were passing me notes at the churches we were visiting saying, are you better? Can we go home? <laughs> right? So so we went through this, and I was refreshed, and I was excited, and I felt loved, and I came back, and I hit the pulpit on fire for almost 30 days, and those same feelings started creeping up, and I remember thinking to myself, I can't wait another 10 years for a break. Um. And I cannot go to the personnel team again and say, well, thanks. Can I do this every other month? So I got my little palm trio out and I sent another message and they weren't vindictive. They actually sat down and they said, let's figure this out. How do we run a marathon? How do we do this? And the rest of what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is outlining that plan. And here's what I would say to you. I am now just past the 20-year mark in ministry at this church. Both my boys grew up in the church and are now married adults, graduated from college, love the Lord, want to be in ministry, even though we tried to talk them out of it, and even, now listen to this, both desire to work for their home church, Crosspoint. Now that only tells me one thing, that this church allowed them to grow up in a healthy way. Amen. And that health, I'm not, I'm not claiming, that, that was a conglomeration of my my brokenness and willingness to reach out and some wise and loving people, we came up with a plan that is biblical rhythms. And, um, and that's what we're going to share with you. And I hate to, to pull it back and say, well, so what is that? Here's what it's not. It's not just saying, make sure you take a Sabbath every week. You should. That's biblical. It's in, it's in the Bible. We're going to talk about that next week. It's much bigger than that. But let me just end with these. How do we cope with the weight? Now, help me walk through these, Nanny. We do try and cope with the weight of ministry by breaks, but generally our breaks are uh, 12 days off because we're not willing to miss two Sundays in a row, and it's a family vacation to somewhere that we drove 16 hours in one way. And can I just say this, and you tell me, I don't think breaks are going to keep you healthy because they're only Band-Aids on mortal wounds, and a family vacation is not a vacation. Yes, and yes, and yes. <laughs> it's, it's great memories, <laughs> it but, is. but you need a break after a family vacation. Yeah, it's so true, because vacations, I've talked to enough guys coming off vacation, they need a vacation from the vacation. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> and, I, and I do think that guys are too aware of how many Sundays they're missing, mm. and I think that speaks to 
what will happen if I'm not there. And I think um, I keep being reminded that it was it was God's church before you. It'll be His church after you. Mm-mm-mm. And I think that it's so important to find rhythms, and that you shouldn't do it all. And you don't have to do it all. And then God didn't tell you to do it all. And that's putting people around you. And I go back to what I said earlier. There's, it's so important for, like you said, Andy, knowing the terrain so that you can have some key yeses and some key noes so that you can keep on track to the things that God's called you to do. Because what I see happen a lot of times, Andy, especially in the rural churches, if we could just do what they're doing, Mm-hmm. That would cure what ails us. The compare and contrast. Absolutely. And I see that happening, especially when you have two rural churches in two towns. They're like, why are we, well, we should be doing what they're doing. And you can't, they're not apples to apples here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important to say, what has God called us to do? Can we learn stuff from other churches? Absolutely. Sure. But I think so much guys are just wanting a quick fix and like, let's cut this and put this in here when it, it really doesn't fit who we are. Amen. Because God has a plan for you and your church and your Absolutely. ministry. And in this pattern, breaks are good, but they're not going to fix anything long-term. Uh, balance. Everybody talks about work-life balance. And I would just say this, you're not that good. <laughs> there's there's so many things, so many plates spinning. If you actually got it all balanced and you had it going, God bless you. But let me tell you what's going to happen. Somebody's going to have the gall to die. And now you got a funeral and extra meetings and drama and and, and all those plates come crashing down. I, I just don't think we, every article you read is about find a work-life balance. I don't think we can do it. I don't think that that is a long-term solution. And I agree. I think really um, finding that rhythm is a tension. It's not something you solve. It's something you, you, you want to make sure you're doing it in a healthy way. Mm. Um, you're not Because you're right. You're not going to all of a sudden just get it all balanced because something's going to... Like right. I was thinking about pastors this week because... Uh, when I was pastoring, I had a love-hate with three-day weekends because uh-huh. Monday discombobulates you, and you're trying to get... Uh, every pastor I've talked to this week is behind right? for Sunday. Yep, yep. Well, and it doesn't matter. Three-day weekend or a holiday weekend always has a Sunday on it. Always. <laughs> and if it does, it's got one coming. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So breaks, they're Band-Aids. Balance, you're not that good. Here's a third one that I think is a fail, and it's this one's going to be hard for some people. Delegation. Because we think if we can just find some people to hand this to, but delegation really only works on paper. Here's the truth. Delegation needs to happen, but it's because delegation is discipleship. When you hand something over to somebody, the first time you hand it over, you're going to watch them do it, and then you're going to redo it. Amen. Uh, and then later, they're going to do it okay, but you're still going it's to... A, it's a good long process before delegation actually pays off. It needs to happen, but don't consider that a rhythm to help you out. That's part of discipleship. It is. And I think the more you can delegate, because what it does, it also creates trust. Oh, yeah. Because if, if I can trust you, Andy, as I've given this to you, and, and my wife and I, were, we did ministry and student work for a long time. And one thing that we came to an early understanding was, is that kids were not going to do things to the degree that which we would do them, but we weren't going to go back and change it. You're going to let them walk through the process. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And for instance, some guys say, well, uh, I can't let this young guy preach. He just can't do it right. Well, first of all, you're probably not doing that great. If I could be really honest with you, you're being faithful and God's using it. Trust in the Holy Spirit. Let those young bucks make some mistakes. Train them up. Use that time. Whether it's stacking chairs or saying prayers or or doing uh, different aspects of ministry, we should delegate. And that is discipleship. But that is not going to make things easier for you. That's actually more work for you. It's a, it's a good thing. But here's the last one. Rhythms. 
just a rhythm, a long-term biblical solution. What we're going to focus on next time is a mini systematic theology of the Sabbath. And it's more than one day a week. It's actually a pattern, I believe, that God's given us. And we're going to develop some, some rhythms out of that. So hopefully in this discussion, we've been able to turn the camera on ourselves a little bit and go, okay, I, I thought I'm good. I'm strong. You know, other people may struggle. No, everybody. Every single one of us needs to establish some good biblical rhythms. Danny, thank you so much for joining us here. Will you join us for a couple more of these? I am honored and excited to join you with this, Danny. This has been fun. It's going to be good. We'll come yep. back with that uh, systematic theology in uh, just uh, uh, in next week. But right now, let me leave you with Matthew 11, 29, and 30. Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Most of us hear that and we amen it we don't live it. And so we're going to attempt to find some rhythms to help us live that. Many blessings to you guys, and we'll see you for episode two and three in this mini-series as we establish some rhythms. What a blessing to be with you guys. Thank you so much, and we'll see you again real soon on another edition of the Rural Pastor Podcast. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. To that church on the corner of that forgotten little town With a room of empty peers where his love can still be found You may never know of all the seeds you sow But it just takes one willing soul to make it Thank you for joining us on the Rural Pastor Podcast. Special thanks to Chosen Road for our incredible theme music and to 180 Digital for their corporate sponsorship and making all the technical things possible. Rural Church Leader, we want to remind you that your work is important, that you are important, and that you are not alone. See you again soon for another edition of the Rural Pastor Podcast.